Last week, uh, we looked at Mary, and uh, as the who's who this week, we're looking at Joseph. Put yourself, walk a mile in Joseph's sandals for a second, and uh, here's the next verse from what we looked at last week in Luke. It says that, that Mary heard this news, arose and went with haste into the hill country, into the town of Judah. So you're, you're Joseph. The woman that you love just heard some crazy news and ran for the hills. What are you thinking? She's pregnant. She comes back. It's three or so months later. She's probably starting to have a little bit of a bulge. If you're Joseph, who's the father? Did she consent? Is this... Is this the woman I fell in love with? Is, has she changed? How do I move forward? I didn't ask for this. I'm not in the wrong. <laughs> she, she's making this story up that it's the son of God. <laughs> Come on. What do you do? How do you move forward? Are you in that same season of life? Where maybe there's a struggle, maybe there's a pain, maybe there's a hardship that you didn't cause. That was brought to you this, this Christmas season. And how do you move forward? It's one thing when, when you're the cause of the wrong. You have a way to work and humble yourselves and make it right. But, but what happens when it's not a pain that, that you create? And so Joseph has determined to move forward, and, and we're going to look at Matthew, and it, it, says, it says this. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from whom the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to do what? Divorce her quietly. Now, according to Jewish law, he had every right to take her to the temple and say, she's pregnant, it's not my child, now here's what the penalty is, let's all the dudes, let's grab a bunch of rocks and let's kill her and stone her. Now, it says that he's a just man, and so he decided that he was going to leave her quietly instead of killing her. Do you catch in that Joseph's love for this woman? He has a reputation. He has his own image. What, what would people think if I went forward? Though that's not an option. But, but this pain, if, he, if Joseph hated Mary, he would take her to the temple and kill her. But he loves her. And out of his love for her, he decides, I am just going to leave her quietly. I'm going to show her mercy. I'm going to show her compassion. And, and that is described as being just. Another word, righteous. A good person. So being a good person, being a just person. And if you take Joseph's example, you know what a, being a good person, a just person means? It means that when you and I can do something, when something is within our rights to do, there's times where a good and just person forgoes their right to show goodness, kindness, compassion. 
So Joseph has a tough decision before him. Is he going to do what is right or is he going to do what is good? Is he going to leave her quietly or is he going to stone her to death? He probably looked at the situation and thought, there's only two options before me. Kill her or divorce her quietly. And you know what? We probably, there's probably pain in our lives where we're looking at the situation. We walked in here and we thought, there's only two options before us. Until God shows up. And God shows up on the scene and gives him a third and better option. But before we get to that, we need to look at Joseph's character. He looks at the two options that he thought was before him, and he makes the best decision he thinks is before him. He's an everyday man. He's not a priest. He's not some elite official. He's a carpenter. He's the nurses among us. He's the construction workers. He's the police officers. He's the town clerk, the school teacher. He's your everyday person that chooses to do something exemplary with his character. So maybe you walked in here, and maybe you're one of, one of many going through a divorce right now. Joseph's example is if you have the right to lay the person out, lay all their trash out, you're, you're, you're in the right, they're in the wrong. Are you going to go about it where you're going to destroy their reputation and, and, and crucify them of sorts? Are you going to go about it with kindness, mercy, forgoing your rights to show compassion? That's the mark of outstanding character is forgoing your rights to show just that mercy, kindness, and compassion. That's love because it's selfless. My uh, mom, uh, this is her picture uh, with my uglier brother, Jonathan. And uh, I say that kidding, kind of, uh, kiddingly. And uh, I'm a mama's boy. You need to know that right from the get out. Uh, I'm a mama's boy. And... Uh, my, uh, my parents were divorced when I was like in fourth grade, and uh, they remarried nine or so years later. And uh, in that meantime, we call it the decades of the nine. The decade of the 90s was a tough decade for the Coash family. And uh, towards, the, uh, towards the end of that, I guess early 2000, uh, 2001 or so, uh, no, actually it was 1998. <laughs> I'm old. And, uh, and I'm, I'm a freshman in, uh, in high school. And I get called down to the office. Now, I'm a goody-two-shoe. I've never gotten a detention in my life. And, uh, and so I got called down to the office, which was a little suspicious. Like, like, I never get called down except for when I forget my lunch. And uh, so I get called down to the office. And there's my mom's best friend standing there. And so all of a sudden, you start thinking, okay, like, what's going on? What's wrong? Like, what happened? And she starts off the conversation, Jason, don't worry, which obviously brings a ton of worry. Your mom was hit by a car, but she's okay. She was uh, walking in a crosswalk, and you're not supposed to hit somebody ever, but especially in a crosswalk. And uh, my mom was walking in a, in a crosswalk, and she says that she remembers seeing the letters J-E-E. -E. Come to find out later, that meant Jeep. <laughs> and uh, she flew back uh, 20 feet she was nailed in a crosswalk, tumbled. She, she would tell the story and, and say that she just remembers seeing black, blue, black, blue, black, blue, and it, come to find out, was pavement sky, pavement sky, pavement sky. She says, like, she, she heard this loud, obnoxious noise as she was tumbling and rolling, and then it stopped, and afterwards she realized that was her own scream. <laughs> and so I, as a mama's boy, was 
distraught over this. And I remember in the aftermath hearing that people that knew of the situation would say, your mom never sued for enough. She didn't sue for enough. She should have sued for more. And, and, I, and she was always too embarrassed or whatever to tell me the number. What, mom, what did you sue for? And, uh, I, and so finally I was like, mom, this past week, I'm like, I'm going to use you as a sermon illustration. You have to tell me. And it worked. <laughs> and so she's texting me, and I mentioned it to Ava. I was like, Ava, you're in my mom's shoes. You're a single mom struggling to get by. You're bringing home from work so that you and the kids can earn some extra dollars at night. Like, what would you do? Without blinking, <laughs> Ava's like, at least a million. Like, I'm going for at least a million. So try hitting her, and good luck. She's, yeah. And uh, I think she was kidding. I'm not terribly sure, but. But my mom is texting me, and she said, well, the advice I was given was to go for at least 100000 And she's like, but I didn't suffer any lifelong injuries. She's like, the only thing that happens is my jaw will lock up when I go on a plane ride, uh, and I can't chew gum. Chewing gum locks up my jaw. She's like, but that's it. And so I sued for $14,000, and after lawyer's fees, I walked away with 9000 just enough to cover my medical expenses. So in essence, she walked away with nothing. <laughs> and I, when I finally this week heard that number, I was like, yeah, that's a righteous, good person. She had every opportunity in front of her to lay somebody out because she got laid out. <laughs> and she chose not to. She chose to show kindness and compassion. And I believe that's a mark of her character. So Joseph has this decision before him. He's made a decision. He's falling asleep one night. And then this. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. A third option that he didn't see coming. For that which is conceived in her from the, is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and and you, will, and you shall call his name Jesus. And here's Jesus' mission, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Tap the person next to you and say, God with us. Say it again, and say it with oomph. That's important. Emmanuel is, is a name, but it's not a name. We have no record in Scripture of, of anybody going to Jesus and saying, oh, hey, Emmanuel. It, it, it deals more with this philosophy. It deals more with his identity. It deals more. Yes, it's a part of his name, but it's, it's more about his character that he would choose. Joseph's an example. Joseph, I'm going to call you by name, and I'm going to walk through this with you. To Joseph's relief, an angel comes to him and says, your wife hasn't been cheating on you. This is of the Holy Spirit. If you're madly in love with the woman, isn't that a sense of relief? Aren't you just relieved at the fact that you can love and trust this woman and move forward with her? The Holy Spirit, if you're Joseph, you probably want a lot of details. You probably want a lot of blanks filled in. But 
God doesn't always do that. He just gives us what we need to know, and he defines what we need to know. And he's just like, like, no, this is from the Holy Spirit. It will be a boy. Give him the name Jesus. He's going to save people. I love that right from the beginning with Joseph, Christ's mission is crystal clear. He did not come to earth to help people save themselves. He didn't come to earth to help people save themselves. He came to earth to be Savior. He came to earth because mankind has this issue with sin that you and I can't deal with. You and I can't account for. There's no religion, there's no system that will, that will get you to heaven apart from Jesus. Jesus came to earth to be Savior because we can't save ourselves. He came to earth to fix it. And this was foretold years ago. The scripture, when he says the prophets, it's Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah, the prophet, written some 700, 800 years before Jesus came to the scene. You know what that tells me? God has a plan, and Jesus is the plan. And it came true in the birth of Jesus. Now, Emmanuel, that's a fancy word for incarnate, God in the flesh, that a member of the Trinity, God himself, would be walking with mankind, living among mankind. That's really important for you and I, God with us. Here's a few implications. It reveals God to mankind. In your quest to know God, you know what you can do? You can study the life of Jesus. As you learn more and more about Jesus, you'll learn more and more about God because Jesus is God. He's God walking in the flesh, God's one and only son. If you want to know more about God, start by studying the heck out of Jesus. It will reveal God's character through Jesus. So God is revealed through Jesus. But then here's maybe perhaps one of my most favorite parts about God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us. It, it shows God's desire for relationship. That he comes to earth, that Jesus says, God says this is the only way to save mankind from their sin. I can't have some sinful being die as a sacrifice for mankind because the sinful can't die for the sinful. Only the perfect can die for the sinful. So I'm going to send my son to be born a man to live perfectly so that he doesn't deserve my wrath. But I'm going to take my wrath out on him with pleasure because why? For God so loved the world. So it, just, it shows us that God desires relationship. We have some parents in the room or at least people that can understand what parenting is like, let me just give you one basic parenting advice. I will never send my kids someplace where I hate people. I'm going to send my kids someplace where I feel comfortable, someplace where I feel like they're going to be loved and they're going to be adored. If I knew the possibility of death would come their way, I'm not sending Landon, Brady, or Reagan. So the fact that God would send his son to earth Instantly shows that he loves you. He desires relationship. He is not distant. He is a personal God. And so we celebrate uncommon relationships. What more uncommon relationship than perfect holy God in union with sinful man? 
It shows also that, uh, that God is in the business of destroying the devil. And I, and I love this depiction of it because I'm a competitive dude. And uh, I love that, okay, let me, I'll break it down like this. This happened over the weekend. Uh, and to my, I grew up in New Hampshire. Don't judge me. Uh, judgment-free zone, right? And, uh, and so I grew up in New Hampshire. Love the Red Sox. Do I have Yankee fans in the house? All right. Okay. And so, and so here's, here's what happens. Derek Jeter goes to the Marlins and says, oh, I'm retired, but let me just give a gift to the Yankees. The best hitter in all of baseball I'm going to give you to for like some stupid shortstop. The, the stupidest trade in the world. Y'all just got the best hitter in baseball. Congratulations, okay? So here's, here's, as I, a Red Sox fan, grew up in New Hampshire, don't judge me, uh, here's what I'm going to love. Not beating you in Fenway Park. I expect to beat you all at Fenway Park. But here's where I'm going to take a whole lot of joy. Coming to your turf at Yankee Stadium in 10 running, destroying the Yankees. That would, to me, that would be the, the, the cherry on top, is to go to your turf and beat you there. That's what God's doing. He says, Satan, you have temporary dominion over the earth. Yes, I can bring you to me and I can defeat you. But if I really want to flex my muscles, I'm going to send my son to earth, your dominion, and I'm going to destroy you on your turf. And so God with us is destroying Satan on his turf. It also makes God a more effective judge. That when you and I die... We're going to stand before God and give an account for everything that's ever happened to us. And you know what our instinct is going to be, naturally, is to make excuses. God, yes, I flipped the bird, but they cut me off. Were you there when they almost took out my bumper? God, like, they, they sped out like they wanted to go 95 miles an hour, but then as they cut me off and got in front of me, they were going 10 miles under the speed limit. They deserved the bird. We're going to make all of these excuses for our wrongdoing. But God is going to look at us and say, I sent my son who was fully God and fully man. He lived among you. He didn't make any excuses, and he did it. So all of our excuses, when we're standing before holy God, holy Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, they don't hold any weight. We have to own our wrong. But it also shows God as a sympathetic high priest, our 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 standing before God, our Jesus is our, our, is our pathway to God. Jesus is our connection to God, that we, can, we have direct access to God because we have Jesus. And he lived this world. He, he walked this world. He sympathizes with our pain. He understands the temptations. He, 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 he was there, and so he sympathizes with us. I, uh, I hang out a lot at, at a coffee shop in downtown Tom's River. I don't own it, but I claim to own it because I'm there so much. And, uh, and so there was this, uh, this tie, uh, occasionally Wellspring, occasionally I, whatever, we, I get coffee for people as they walk in. And, uh, and so there was this one time where I bought uh, coffee for uh, a friend of mine. And uh, I'll use a name uh, that I don't know anybody by this name. 
uh, Mildred. And uh, if I ever meet a Mildred, she's like the source of a whole lot of stories that I can't use somebody's official name, so that would be awkward. But anyways, Mildred, uh, this lady comes in, and I, I give her a cup of coffee and says, God loves you, so do I. I just want to show you practical kindness. And so uh, she, she takes the cup, and, uh, and then she goes uh, and gets coffee and whatnot. And then it's like, she, like, on her way out, she's like, thank you. That, I just, I really needed the reminder that God loves me. Okay, so she leaves. Fast forward a week or two, and somebody at Wellspring gives me uh, some ShopRite cards to bless people over the, over the Thanksgiving season. I gave some to people in here. I had one left over that I wanted to give to somebody in the community. So we pray for one. We pray for one lost person. God, show me one person today that I can show your love and kindness to, that I can exemplify the gospel. So I woke up one morning with this gift card, and I said, God, I don't know this lady's name, but God, I pray that she comes to the coffee shop. God, please let her come to the coffee shop so I can give her this gift card. And she walks through the door. And it's crazy. God likes to answer prayers where, like, we want to show people love. It's like, no, no, no. Like, yes, he'll say yes. Okay, and so, and so this lady walks through the door. And it was like, I was probably a little too aggressive. I, I, I get hyped up and whatnot. And, uh, and so she, like, walks through the door. I was like, hey, hey, I don't know your name. I don't know your name, but I prayed for you today. And she, like, has to be bugging out at this point. And I was like, someone gave me a gift card. And, uh. I, just, I was praying today that I would be able to give it to you. Thanksgiving is this coming week, and uh, I hope this is helpful to you. My church wants to show you love and kindness. She went back, got her coffee and whatnot, and she came back. I was meeting with another, another friend, and she's like, can I sit down with you guys? She's like, I just lost a lifelong friend, a lifelong partner, and I'm just really struggling right now. And your little act of kindness just showed me God's not distant. He loves me. And we were able, my, my friend Michelle, I think she's here, we were able to pray with her right there in the coffee shop. And then as I was preparing this week, she came back in, and um, same thing, I was praying for her this time by name, and I was like, I have a Christmas invite. I really want to give it to Mildred. And I was like, God, bring her back. And he did. And I did the same thing. I was like, hey, and I was like, come this week. I don't know. I mean, she might be here. I can't. I'm scanning real fast. She might be here. I hope she is. If not, she listens online, I pray. She's like, we're talking about Joseph. And she's like, yeah, God with us. She knew about it. And she brought me a song out of her car that showed, like, this old, old song about Joseph and his pain and saying, God with us. I can do this. I can do this. And she, and she sat there and we were talking and she looked up and just said, yeah, you're with me. Yeah, you're with me. She was going one direction in life. And little did she know she was going to come into a coffee shop and experience God's love in a practical way. And the reminder, God with us. Joseph is also at a very, very low point in his life. He's engaged. He's probably 17 or 18 years old. He thinks he has a plan. He thinks it's a compassionate plan. But he, it brings a lot of pain to him personally. But God comes in as only God can do and says, no, move forward. I will walk with you. Mary had a dilemma where, Mary, are you going to submit to God? Mary, are you going, are you going to listen to me and follow through? And, and, and what, what does God do? The angel comes and, and, she, and he talks to Mary with this language. This is going to be Messiah. He's going to be Lord. Submit to the lordship, the kingship of God. And, and Joseph has that element too. But, but God knew the exact thing that Joseph needed to hear. Here's how you move forward with me. I am going to move forward with you. The God of this universe walks with you. 
Here's, what, here's, what's, here's what's different about you and I as, as Christians. Life happens to everybody. The loss of a loved one will happen to the Christian and the non-Christian. Divorce will happen to the Christian and the non-Christian. The loss of a job will happen to the Christian and the non-Christian. Life will happen to everybody. When my parents went through a divorce, I wasn't the only one in my school. But here's what made me different. God was there walking with me. Where the enemy wanted to make me feel lonely and wanted to, wanted to throw all this garbage in my way to say, there can't be a God. If there's a God, there won't be all this garbage where God says, no, I am here and I want to walk with you through all the garbage. Or he'll give us a lot of pleasure so we feel like we don't need God. What extreme do you find yourself in? And perhaps this is the needed reminder. The God of the universe chooses you and says, in your loneliest place, I'm walking with you. You have a tough decision before you. Choose the one where I'm going to walk with you. Walk with me. Walk with me. Walk with me. Emmanuel, God with us. The big thought for us this morning is Joseph's example. We can learn this, that God with us changes everything. It changes everything for Joseph. He, under, he starts to grapple. He starts to understand God with us. And, and he wakes up, and this is what happens. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she was, had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So, so Joseph chooses obedience over suspicion. He chooses trust over fear. He, he has this opportunity before him where he can choose to follow the customs of the day, to divorce her, to stone her, to ruin her life, leave her destitute. But he chooses to obey God. He chooses trust over fear. He walks forward in trust because God with us changes everything. Can you imagine your Joseph? You choose to keep Mary. The only way Joseph would be allowed to divorce Mary is if the child is not his. So, so choosing to stay married to Mary, he's opening himself to this little town of Nazareth where they're going to say, well, it must be Joseph's child. He's going to be ridiculed for the rest of his life, but he chooses that because God with us changes everything. He chooses to take on Mary's hardships as his own because he's a humble, selfless man. You want to know how he's a humble, selfless man? Put all that aside. He's in his sexual prime. He's a 17, 18-year-old kid, and he's married, and he's allowed in marriage to do certain married things things but he's righteous and selfless and he says i'm not going to do things with mary until this child comes to keep the integrity of the child what a self selfless average everyday man that shows compassion goodness kindness obedience trusting god because god walks with him God with us changes everything, and so he wakes up and he changes his plans quickly. Maybe you came in here today and you had a tough decision. Maybe you thought the decision that you were determined to make was the best decision. Well, if we grappled with God with us, would that change your decision? Because God is here. He's walking with you, and that changes everything. We looked at, the, we looked at Joseph, uh, Joshua back in the day, didn't we? The book of Joshua in the Old Testament. Joshua, his, his best friend Moses dies, his leader, his friend, and, and he dies. 
and, and then Joshua said he's going to be the new leader. He, you, Joshua, you're going to take all this millions of people into a promised land. It's scary. There's going to be battles. People are going to die. You're, like This is going to be a crazy, epic thing. And what happens in Joshua chapter 1? Joshua, walk with me. Walk with me. Obey me. And what? I will be with you. I'm going before you. I am with you. Do not fear. And then we fast forward to Joseph, and he's saying the same thing to Joseph. I am with you. I am with you. Do not fear. And guess what? He's still doing it. We're looking at Matthew chapter 1. Here's the last two verses in this gospel. The last two, and then the book closes. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, what? I am with you always to the very end of the age. Are you breathing? And the very end of the age is still present. And God is walking with you. God with us changes everything. So you came in here with a decision to be made. God with us changes everything. You came, with, you came in here feeling pain, feeling like the world was caving in. Here's what makes you different. The God of this universe wants to walk with you and offer a peace that those outside the church, those outside of God's family will never comprehend. A peace that what? Transcends understanding. A peace that transcends understanding demands a situation that needs peace. So God says, I'm going to walk with you. 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 And that changes everything. You have me. And so this Christmas season, here's the example of, of Joseph to us in the midst of our pain. The God of this universe invites us to go on a stroll with him. Will you walk with him? We live in the midst of a hopeless society. There's parts of, of Tom's River that are hurting. So as God with us changes everything for you and I, what will you do to go out into the community and be that same beacon of hope? You're invited, catch this, you're invited into the very presence of God. How, like, think about your life. Think about what you've done. Think about all of that and that God desires relationship with you. He wants you. He wants you. He wants you. He wants relationship. Isn't that, a, like, isn't there hope in that? Isn't that glorious? And shouldn't we want others to come into the presence of God with us? To not go into there alone? To be beacons of hope this Christmas season. And so that's my challenge today. Next week, bring your plus one. You get invites to weddings. And they often will have a plus one. Sometimes it's a bummer to put no plus one. Well, here's an awesome thing. Next week, bring your plus one, but go find them. You and I, we... We have this unique opportunity to be growing in our faith, falling more in love with Jesus. People falling more in love with Jesus, go fishing. People falling more in love with Jesus, go and you want to tell others, I am really in love with my wife. Come have a conversation with me. I would love to tell you all the great things about her because I love her. So as you're growing in your walk with Jesus, will you invite others to hear that hope? Next week, we will party. Because Jesus is worth partying. And we're going to share hope. Bring your plus one.
Because Jesus is the hope of the season. He's the hope of the world. We have this invite. Show it up on the screen. You got it on your way in. Will you sit with me? Some of you are bumping shoulders with people right now. Maybe you lived your whole week. You went about your whole week and you were alone. You were alone. You were alone. And the mere fact that you're just bumping shoulders with somebody gives you hope. Will you come sit with me and find the hope of Jesus? God with us starts with God with me. Revelation 3.20 says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. So Jesus is here knocking, saying, I want that relationship. I'm inviting you into my presence. I'm knocking at the door. It's your choice. What are you going to do about it? So you came here feeling like the weight of the world was caving in upon you. And here God is, Jesus is, is knocking. Say yes, say yes, say yes, and dine with me. It starts with me. So what will you do? Will you open the door and let him in? Will you go for a walk with Jesus? Take a walk with him today and don't stop walking with Jesus. If you want to start that walk today with Jesus, knowing that you can't get to heaven on your own, that Jesus is the only answer, let's pray. God, I thank you for this time to celebrate you. Father, I thank you that you care enough to want me, desire me, to be in your presence, God. May we never forget the magnitude of that. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And Father, I know there are people here that have been here for months or are here for the first time that have chosen never to walk with you, that they open the door, they see it's you, and they slam it in your face. God, today I pray your Holy Spirit is moving where they're finally open that door and say, yes, let's go for a walk. Jesus, I am sorry. Forgive me. I choose to walk with you in faith. Jesus, I'm declaring that to you today. I will walk with you. Thank you for pursuing me through Jesus. In your name, amen. If you prayed a prayer similar to that, see me. Genuinely see me. We have Bibles. We have a starting point. Courtney's sitting over here. Mine is full. But Courtney still has room starting January 8th or something like that. We, if you just said yes to relationship with Jesus, join her starting point. It's a beautiful, awesome time. But now we get to sing a song called Here in the Presence. I pray that it is worshipful as we are reminded that God desires us and wants us in his presence. He doesn't, he's not a foreign God living in some foreign castle. He is right there walking with you, inviting you into his presence. Let's worship.